Well, Spence, I thought the SC was supposed to be easier in the Big 12, right? Isn't that what you said? No, my guy. Y'all got dubbed on Saturday. Hogs ran all over that ass. Hogs improved to 2-0 on the season, 1-0 in conference play. More importantly, find ourselves back in the top 10. Welcome back to Views from the Hill, episode quattro. In this podcast, we provide in-depth information about the greatest collegiate athletic program of all time, top two, not two. I know it, you know it, we all know it. We also bring to you previews and recaps of weekly matchups, recruiting updates, NIL news, and any pro hog updates across whatever professional sport it is that you may follow. Now, whether you believe the Hogs are 10th best team in the country is completely up to you. It's not our fault the teams in front of us keep losing. And we keep winning. But you know what? Standard's been raised at Arkansas. Pittman's raised it for us. Top 10 in the country in two straight seasons. I can't remember the last time that happened, honestly. Maybe during the Bobby Petrino years. Who knows? But we deserve this. Hawk fans deserve this. And we deserve every bit of it. And we should enjoy every second of it that we can. I mean, three years ago around this time, we were just being recognized for nationally for the wrong reasons. I don't know where to start. We got fake fair catch against UNT. Losing to San Jose State at home where Nick Stark would through about 48 interceptions. Full lead to Colorado State. The list goes on. We have endured so much pain and suffrage and embarrassment. I mean, and for all that that we've endured and now being able to enjoy the consistency that we're receiving now, it feels so good. You know what? Hogs face an old, familiar face on Saturday. And we all know who it is. I don't need to speak on it much more. But after seeing all the catastrophe that happened in week two of college football, this is 100% a game that we can't overlook. I mean, after all, we are, we are playing against the best team in the state of Missouri on Saturday. And after Missouri State, I mean, we have an absolute gauntlet through the, mid, the middle part of our schedule. We play A&M, Bama, Mississippi State, and then at BYU, then a bye week, then at Auburn. I mean, that's a tough stretch. And I know, I know, it's easy to look past this Missouri State game. But this game's important, and more important than most would think. And why that is, let's get to my view on it. start things off, the drama of week two of the college football season. I didn't think we could top week one. I really didn't. But here we are, surprised. You know, week two is nuts. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, we saw number six, number eight, number nine, number 12, number 17, 19, and 25 all lose. Absolute madness, and I love it. Wait, hold on. Hold on, is there something burning in here it smells weird it's like something burning in here is it the chair i'm sitting in wait what oh hold on oh yeah no this is jimbo's chair oh gotcha no wonder it's burning all right first off who's losing it more desmond howard or lee corso i know lee's about 998 years old but desmond really had a&m winning the college football playoff good lord desmond but i mean a&m losing is flat out amazing makes my day when they lose. Now, I've always had the opinion about A&M that the best thing to come out of that school isn't Johnny Manziel. 
It's dude perfect, and I'm sticking to it. It's the best thing that ever happened to Kyle Field. You know what's hilarious? A&M has a combined 56 four- and five-stars on the roster. App State has one. One. Find me an excuse. Also, A&M broke the bank on Jimbo for him to go 35-15 and 15 in his first 50 games, and Kevin Sumlin was 36-14 and 14 in his first 50 games. Well, that ain't good. That ain't good at all. App State showed A&M's true colors, honestly. Rudy was offsides. We all know it. You can you can go ahead and send that shit up to Gene in New York for review. But you know, I've always said that Notre Dame is overrated. And, you know, they just continue to prove my point. Whenever they play good teams, they lose. They can beat up on weak teams. But that wasn't the case this week. I mean, yeah, you can have a solid record every year. and You can make your own schedule top to bottom and kind of dictate how your season goes. Yeah, it's pretty easy to go 9-3 and three and 8-4 and four that way, being an independent school. But you know what? Notre Dame's biggest mistake was hiring Marcus Freeman, an overrated defensive coordinator, and not hiring Luke Fickle. That was the hire. Marcus Freeman getting booed in our home opener. Chad Morris couldn't even do that, my guy. Come on now. I mean, normally I, normally I want other SEC teams to lose solely just because it would benefit Arkansas. But, you know, there's not a world I live in where I want to see Texas succeed as well and especially beat the number one team in the country. They play BAM on Saturday in Austin. It looked like a crazy environment. I didn't get to watch any of the game because it was going on during the Arkansas game. But threw a flag for targeting and roughing the passer, but there was no targeting. Then there was no roughing the passer. Yeah, sure, Texas might have gotten screwed on that one, but I don't really care. Sucks to suck. But you know what? BAM found a way to win. They always find a way to win. You know, last week we talked about how we thought it was pretty unrealistic that Florida beat the seventh best team in the country being unranked and they got thrown to 12. I mean, yeah, that was pretty dramatic. I think we can all agree. But Texas fucking lost in their rank. They lost. They are 1-1. One and one. They were 1-0 and oh before they played Alabama. They fucking lost and now they're ranked. I don't know how bad everyone wants Texas to be good. I mean, good God almighty, that couldn't happen to anybody else. How do you lose as an unranked team and then become ranked just because you played the number one team close? Whoop-de-doo, do you want a participation award? Do you want a freaking cookie? That is the stupidest, stupidest shit I've ever seen. Texas Tech, unranked, beat the 25th best team in the country in Houston in overtime. Washington State beat the 19th best team in the country, Wisconsin, and App State beat the sixth best team in the country, and none of them are ranked. None of them are ranked. Texas was unranked, lost to the number one team in the country by a field goal. Sure, they might have played them close. I don't give a shit. But they're ranked. God, that is so stupid. It makes me so mad. My God. I hope UTSA runs their ass off the field. It's freaking ridiculous. Moving on. Texas Tech in Houston. That game was Absolute madness. I turned it off, you know, when I saw it was fourth and 20 in overtime. I was like, yeah, you know, there's no way uh, Texas Tech wins this game. But you know what? Dana Holgerson allegedly has a drinking problem. He's probably drinking as we speak, just to forget all about it. I mean, they gave up a fourth and 20 in overtime and lost, and it didn't take a 25-yard lateral backwards from their tight end to do it. That's a tough look. Now, lastly, about the Week 2 drama, the Baylor-BYU game was nuts. Baylor... Uh, excuse me, BYU plays Oregon this week. So they have two tough matchups back-to-back, playing Baylor than Oregon. But BYU looked better than I thought, honestly, and it makes me a little bit more worried about them now than I was before. I mean, they look pretty physical, throw the ball well, their quarterback's pretty athletic. 
yeah, but, you know, that's just a short little summary on the drama in week two of college football. So next we're going to jump into where Peyton was right, where Peyton was wrong, and we're going to start off with the good on where Peyton was right. So while most might disagree, I thought our secondary played, I thought they played better on Saturday than we did against Cincy. Sure, you could look at the stats and completely disagree with me. But late in the fourth quarter, we were you know, kind of playing prevent defense, just trying not to lose. And we're really trying to keep everything underneath outside of the one go route they threw on Hudson where the receiver came back and caught it. Hudson missed a tackle, and he, uh, you know, it was a big play. But you know, outside of two big plays and a couple of bogus PIs, the secondary stepped up this game and played a lot better than they did against Cincy. We didn't see you know, a bunch of South Carolina receivers running free, except for you know the 163-yard touchdown that was given up. But that was in zone. That wasn't man-to-man. And I think that was a busted coverage in the middle with our safeties. But anyway, we tackled much better for the most part. I'll get to that later, how I still think we can improve on that. But compared to Cincy, we tackled a lot better against South Carolina. Didn't get burned as much. And we picked off right. We were first, first forced to turn over on him and intentional grounding. Outside of, you know, some stupid, overly called illegal hands to the face penalties, the hog defensive front was eaten on Saturday. You know, while they're only responsible for, I believe, one sack and one and a half tackles for loss, I mean, they did what they absolutely needed to do. They, they got a consistent push on South Carolina's offensive line. It helped our secondary a lot because they didn't have to cover near as long. Rattler was pushed outside the pocket a lot. Heck, he put the ball on the ground, I believe, four times in total. Yeah, they fumbled four times, and we recovered two of them. But Rattler was flustered. He he didn't have – I mean, there was only a select few plays where he really got sit back there with all the time in the world. He had to rush outside the pocket more than he probably wanted to. Uh, this D-line group continues to answer questions surrounding its talent. And they're improving, and they're improving at solid teams. They've really got me excited going forward with how good they can really be. There isn't just one stud on the D-line, though, like you've kind of had in the past, like a Ridgeway or Jonathan Marshall, Darius Phylon, Trey Flowers. This is just a good, solid group. Everyone steps up and does their part. Even the guys that are listed second in the two deep can step up at any given moment and play well, and I love that. It's just a there's not one stud. It's just a group of talented guys coming together, trusting their coaching, and just going out and performing. Next, I'm two for two picking the Hogs and the you know the rushing attack yardage, and we do what we want to on the ground against South Carolina. I think most of us knew we were going to do that though. Uh, I predicted the Hogs would run for 250, 300 yards on the ground. We ran for 295. I would give it 300. Just because I believe we we kneeled at the end of the game, which lost us five yards and dropped us two ninety five. Regardless, South Carolina fans must really really hate Hog running backs wearing number five. Rocket went for another career high in touches and he had twenty four carries, yardage with one hundred fifty six. He had two scores. Saw a tweet the other day where Rocket was listed in the top five of week two Heisman hype. Pretty cool to think about. Guy can get north and south and take off, and he's a real physical runner. I love it. KJ carried the ball 19 times, 6, 7 yards, one score. A.J. Green and Dub got in the end zone as well. We had four rushing touchdowns. No, four rushing touchdowns or five rushing touchdowns? Four or five, one of those two. But anyway, I believe it was the most since 2015. I believe we put up five rushing touchdowns in the game against UT Martin. All right, now what everyone loves to hear is where Peyton was wrong. And, yes, I know Florida got me week one. I, I thought Utah two and a half was 
a lock. So I went with Utah for screwing me. So I was like, all right, we're rolling with the Gators. I don't think Kentucky's that good. And Florida bit me in the freaking butt. I'm staying away from any games betting-wise in Gainesville. I'm not doing it anymore. It's not happening. 0 for 2 on them. The Gators are involved. We can't, we can't seem to do any good with Peyton's plays of the weekend. Tennessee pushed minus 7. State covered. However, Peyton plays of the weekend continues in a downward spiral. Hey, we're not at rock bottom, but we're always in a steady decline. We're at 1-2-1 one, and one on the season. I know I've harped on A.J. Green and still believe that Rashad Dominion, my boy Dub, will be the better back. But I was wrong about A.J. on Saturday. He carried the ball uh, nine times, which is one more than Dub did, who had eight carries, had 43 yards and one score. Um, he looked pretty explosive, ran the ball hard, didn't do a lot of the dancing around he likes to do in the backfield, and got north and south, and I liked it. All right, next we're going to recap the South Carolina game. The Hogs won 44-30 on Saturday. As most know, 1-0 in conference play, 2-0 on the season. Say what you want about South Carolina. The team was athletic. I mean, they had some ball players: Marshawn Lloyd, Jaheim Bell, I believe Antoine Wells. That's the dude who went for 63 on us. That was an athletic team. And, yes, Arkansas has got plenty of things to work on still. But starting the season 2-0 against a good Cincy team and now an SEC team that had a lot of hype heading into the season, got to be proud of this group. Some positive takeaways I took, I, I gathered from Saturday. Offense, once again, we get the job done when we need it. I mean, we move the chains when we need to. We put together long drives when we need to. We score when we need to. When we start out the game, I think we scored 21 points in the first quarter. I know it was for sure 14 scored on our first two drives. Had well over 400 yards of total offense again. I think we were north of 450 this game. We had 447 last game, 450 this game. Can't stop the run. Why, why would we stop running it, right? I mean, I, I love how physical this Arkansas team has become. Under Chad Morris, he was trying to make our linemen lighter to play faster. Just speaks volumes to his philosophy as a head coach. Speaking of physicality, Jaden Hazelwood. Now, I'm a big fan of that guy. He's a dog. He's got to be one of the most physical receivers in the SEC, if not the country. That dude loves contact, loves hitting people. He's slowing that poor old defensive bat from South Carolina off him. Like he was a rag doll. Then earlier in the, believe in the first half, caught a drag route, broke out of a tackle. He easily could have ran out of bounds, and we'd have had third and short. Nope, took on a linebacker, didn't get the first down, but he got a couple more yards out of it. I love that about him. Love it. We haven't had a receiver that physical in I don't know how long. Malik Hornsby, sure, he didn't do a whole lot on Saturday. But I get more and more excited every time I see him on the field and how we're using him. Hornsby hasn't been used in the same play slash formation more than once. I mean, which shows how versatile he is and the different schemes that Browse is dialing up for him. I mean, I really think we're saving him for Bama and A&M and just some of the packages we're going to use him in. He he, he – Ran a speed sweep on Saturday, but his quickness and his agility and just that first step explosiveness he has to get to the edge, we're going to see it at some point. We're going to see him hit the edge and go about 80. It could happen this weekend. I could see him getting in the end zone this weekend, but I really want to see him display it in Cowboy Stadium or or against Bam at home. That would be electric. But notice offense, once again, like I said earlier, is put together solid drives when needed. We eat up the clock, capitalize on turnovers, and we just physically 
wore down South Carolina. Arkansas now has an identity. And people in the past have questioned what our identity is as a team. We really didn't have one with Clyde Morris. Sure, you could say we're a physical football team with Brett Bielma. But that, none of those Brett Bielma teams hold anything on Sam Pittman Arkansas teams. This is a physical brand of football we're playing. It just feels right at Arkansas. It just feels just feels right having a big offensive lineman running down people's throats. It just feels right doing that stuff you know, defensively in terms of positives. I touched on the D-line a little bit earlier and the secondary as well, but the Hawk front seven forced not one, not two, not three, but four fumbles on Saturday, even though we only recovered two. But we forced a safety and one interception. I mean, we lived in the backfield. We sacked Rattler six times, recorded nine tackles for loss, held the Gamecocks to 40 yards rushing on 29 attempts. That's with Rattler's sack yardage. But even after the sack yardage, I believe it's only 63 yards of rushing. That's pretty impressive for your first conference play game. I mean, I think we've only given up on average, I think it's like 80 yards a game rushing. That's amazing. We haven't done that in so long. I, it, it gets me so excited thinking about this front seven for the Hogs. I mean, it was a big question mark heading into the season, and now it seems to be our staple on defense. Also, what a lot of people don't know is that this defensive line group is averaging the third most sacks out of any team in the country. And this four this four front approach seems to be working. This four two five scheme we're running, I think we're going to continue running it. Another positive, I, we all saw it on Saturday. Y'all see forty two. Big Drew, how in the world does that brother win co-SEC Defense Player of the Week? Co-my ass. Dude's freaking nature. He was named the Walter Camp National FBS Defensive Player of the Week and somehow gets co-SEC Defensive Player of the Week. That is such bullshit. I don't, Arkansas doesn't get any love with awards. It's so dumb. Drew's also tied for first in the SEC with three sacks. Very impressive. I know he had two on Saturday. Completely forgot they had one against Cincy, but he racked up 11 tackles, two sacks, three tackles for a loss, one pass breakup, and one quarterback hurry. Dog. I think we got ourselves a top shelf outside of linebacker on our hands. We haven't had one of those in a while. I don't think we've had a guy at linebacker as versatile as Drew Sanders in what, I don't know, the last 10 to 15 years at least. I don't remember anyone getting after the quarterback like him off the edge. That could also drop into coverage that runs a sub four five forty that can run down running backs out of the backfield. Actually I don't know. Someone would have to have to remind me on if we had a guy like him on the edge. I mean we better enjoy this guy while we got him. He's a legitimate NFL prospect. I don't think he's gonna be here for long. We might not see him in a Razorback uniform after next season. He might be going to the league. Hey now I could have included this next on where Peyton was right. But I can't brag on myself that much, y'all know. I mean but my boy Pooh Pooh Paul, playing well right now. He's playing mistake-free football. He was third on the team in tackles on Saturday with five. Had half a sack, tackle for loss, uh, one pass breakup. And he, I know he forced a fumble. Or no, he didn't force a fumble, excuse me. He had the tackle for loss at the end of the game where the ball was put on the ground. He picked it up and ran in the end zone. If the brother just didn't put his knee on his down, the Hogs would, would have won 51-30. to 30. Laid him out. God, I mean, Pooh's flying around hitting people. I love it. He's definitely playing with a lot more confidence. And he's such a young player. you got to love to see that out of him. And he's stepping up into a loaded role this season. I mean, myself included, along with the rest of y'all, didn't know much about Poo Paul. 
And I know it's only two games in, but he's playing a lot better than I would have expected him to through two games. But, you know, next, you know, forget linebacker. Bumper Pools should be our new kick returner, for being honest. A.J. Green can step aside. I mean, brother was rumbling, stumbling, and freaking bumbling down the sideline of that onside kick. You probably ain't seen that much green grass since uh, Kappa Sig, Southern Skies camp out. And, you know, outside of giving up one big play at the end of the game, H- Hudson, I believe, graded out as our top cornerback this week. He's continuing to get better, continuing to improve. He's having to step up a lot more into a role he's probably not used to with the more man-to-man we're running in this 4 scheme. Latavius Sabrini also played much better this week and made one of the bigger plays of the day in third quarter where he stripped Marshawn Wood on a screen route that uh, Hudson Clark jumped on. Hogg scored two plays later on a touchdown pass from KJ to Warren Thompson. Now, some areas of improvement we can go into after Saturday's game. Penalties, penalties, penalties. We shot ourselves in the foot in some key moments on Saturday. I mean, we had a lot of P.I. calls on third and long, holding calls. Warren Thompson came out of the womb holding. God, that guy holds all the freaking time. Also, hands-to-hands hands, or hands-to-face calls. I've never seen hands-to-the-face called that many times in a game. I think it was four, which is pretty ridiculous. South Carolina got down the field, I believe, for their first score of the game late in the second or late in the second quarter. Uh, so we have two P.I. calls. We got them into third and long situations, and, you know, one of them was really questionable. I thought the ball was overthrown. I believe it was in the middle of the field. Rattler dropped back and threw like a – you can call it a seam route, probably 15 yards at the field. I think it was third and nine. Definitely looked uncatchable to me, but, you know, Dwight had a hold of him, I guess, to what the refs saw, and they called it. And, yes, I know that there's pass interference on every pass play. You can't tell me there's not. There always is. Whether it gets called or not, who knows. But the penalties in general just got to get cleaned up. We got to limit them. I know you can't cut out penalties entirely, but we got to clean that stuff up. I mean, but what's nice about that is that that stuff's controllable. You can control the illegal hands to the face. You've got to be in better position. You can control the holding calls. Now square up your guy. Lock your hands up underneath his armpits and his shoulder pads, and there's no holding. The holding calls really did hurt us, though. I mean, Rocket had a 50-plus-yard run, and Warren's over here grabbing the DB, acting like he didn't do anything. Warren, especially out of all the receivers, has got to clean it up. He needs to learn how to block like Keytron. Regardless, 10 penalties for 122 yards can't be a reoccurring issue and cannot be something that comes back to bite us in big games. I know I touched on how we tackled better, a little bit earlier, but still our open field tackling is – it can improve. I mean, we do tackle better in the open field than Arkansas has historically. But – and I know some of these missed tackles came at the end of the game, but still doesn't need to be something that continues into a bad habit. I mean, the teams we're playing from here on out outside of Missouri State only get tougher. They're faster, more skilled, quicker, more shifty, which means the tackling's just got to become more sure – to prevent big plays, got to tackle with our head up, wrap up, break down. You know, mainly just tackle with the head up. You know, and for, I talked about it last week. I I'm a big fan of Jane Johnson, but for the love of God, wrap the hell up. This dude was trying to be Ed Reed last week, trying to be Por- Troy Polamalu this week, just tries to run through people. You know, I I don't know why he thinks he can just run through people and everyone's going to go down. Got to wrap up. 
That's going to come back to bias at one point. I'm calling it right now if he doesn't fix it. Last area of improvement, pass coverage can still improve. You know, it took a big step up from last week, but we've given up almost 700 yards, I believe, through the air over two games. But, you know, we take this week with a grain of salt. South Carolina threw for 371 yards, but 208 of those yards came when the game was out of hand. It came when they were trailing by double digits. You know, while we weren't really burned at all this game, the PIs hurt us. We didn't have many PIs against Cincy, but we had some against South Carolina. You know, we got to cancel those out this game. This is a perfect game to do it. While the secondary group is a continual piece of work, I believe that they're still improving. All right, views from the Hill SEC rankings is something we started last week. We're going to roll it into this week, a.k.a. the Hill's hierarchy. All right, so this is how I've ranked the SEC teams after week two. Georgia, Bama, Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Florida, Ole Miss, LSU, South Carolina, A&M, Auburn, Vandy, and Mizzou. Georgia, best team in the country, and I won't be convinced otherwise for the time being. Bama, they should find ways to win. They always do. I mean, they see everyone's best. They face the craziest atmospheres. They're facing other teams' best all the time. That's why you don't see Alabama players getting overwhelmed by the moment. They're the most battle-tested team year in and year out because they're in the SEC West where every team seems to be competitive. They're always going to see the sold-out crowds and crazy atmospheres like they saw this past weekend, and they came through and got it done. Arkansas got that dub, we know. Kentucky beat Pitt 34-27 in overtime. That was a pretty good game on Saturday. Offense can move the ball pretty well. They run really, really, really high up-tempo offense. I don't know how Hooker has Heisman odds and KJ doesn't, but whatever. Their defense can't stop anyone, though, and they play in the SEC East. Mississippi State beat Arizona 39-17. Will Rogers has almost thrown for 800 yards on the season. That's pretty freaking insane. Um, I think they're going to be a tough out, and they play LSU this week. I believe they'll be a good one. Florida, after week one, you would have thought they had Jesus under center. Like I said last week, Florida isn't worthy of being ranked number 12 after beating Utah and being unranked heading into week one. Just another classic mid-name program getting overly dramatic praise for one win. Anthony Richardson is extremely talented. I mean, he showcased that in the Utah game, but, you know, he he came out down to earth on Saturday. He was just out there on cork and deep balls to the wrong team. Might as well just give him the Heisman already. Ole Miss beat UCA 59-3. Dart looks like he's the QB1 down there. Altamire still playing a little bit, but I think we'll really see who the true QB1 is after the Georgia Tech game this weekend. LSU, don't care. South Carolina, you suck. A&M, I already talked about y'all a little bit. Y'all are down the dumps. They're spiraling. I don't know how they're favorites this weekend against Miami after the performance they put up last weekend. Auburn had to come from behind to beat San Jose State. They only won 24-16. Things don't look good in Auburn right now. This is probably the worst Auburn team I've seen in a long time. There are people are getting worried about T.J. Finley. He might as well throw Calzada in there. At least he could beat Alabama. Vandy, yeah, they lost by 20, but they're still better than Mizzou. Mizzou got that ass whooped by Kansas State. I mean, these guys just suck. Kansas State minus eight just should have been the lock of the century, should have been my play of the weekend. All right, next we're going to jump into the preview of Missouri State and, you know, like I said earlier, while I want to take it one game at a time, it really is hard to. But we can't overlook anyone. I mean, we saw the crazy stuff that happened in week two. Anything can happen. Missouri State's led by Bob Petrino. We all know him. Once a hog legend. How you choose to remember Bobby, 
you know, that's your choice. But regardless, you can't deny that he took our program to heights that we hadn't seen in quite some time. I remember at one point we were the third best team in the country going down to LSU. We lost that game, but we were the third best team in the country. And what's crazy about it is that same year that we were the third best team in the country, we were third in the SEC West because the two teams ahead of us happened to be number one and two. It's pretty ridiculous. Anyway, he's made a few stops after departure from Arkansas. He seems to have really found a home at Missouri State. He's got the Bears at 2-0, and they're the fifth-best FCS team in the country. And, yes, this is considered you know one of the, in quotes, cupcakes on our schedule. But like I said earlier, I mean, did y'all see what happened this past weekend? Nobody's going to get overlooked. And Missouri State can score some points now. They average 31 points per game. Got some solid skill position players that can go make some plays. In terms of the Missouri State offense, on paper, they like to take a more balanced approach offensively. The majority of their success comes through the air, though. They like to throw vertically. They like to take deep shots. Senior quarterback Jason Shelley, I believe that's his name, averages around about 280 yards passing per game. He completes almost 70% of his throws, which is pretty solid. He's also second on their team in rushing attempts with 20, so this will be the first dual-threat quarterback that the Hogs really face all season. I believe his name is Jacardia Wright. He's their leading rusher. He's run for 158 yards on the season on 36 carries, but he hasn't scored a touchdown yet, which is pretty odd, which just shows that they like to throw the ball at. So they score a majority of their points. The Hogs are probably going to see Jacardia, Selden Manning, and quarterback Jason Shelley as the three-man ball carriers for the Bears on Saturday. I mean, the rushing attack's not their bread and butter. They average around, I think, three and a half. Yeah, three and a half yards per carry, and they've only run for one TD this season, so I don't think their rushing attack's anything to be worried about. Now, what I am a little bit worried about is their receivers. Tyron Scott and Jihad Booker are going to be their two main threats of wide receivers. And honestly, Scott might be the best receiver we faced all season. Caught 16 passes this year, 256 yards, which is a little over 16 yards per catch and three touchdowns. Jihad Booker has caught eight passes on the season for 128 yards with no scores, but it's also right at about 16 yards per catch. So you can see what they like to do. Both their leading receivers, have, you know, their yards per catch is 16 yards. So they like to get in the ball in space or get it to them vertically, however they can do it. These two guys, especially Tyron Scott, they're going to be a solid test for our corners. Uh, last season... I believe Tyron Scott had better numbers than Traylon did. He caught 66 passes, over 1,100 yards receiving, averaged 17 yards per catch, and eight touchdowns. I mean, he's got the body of a thicker Warren Thompson. They're going to try to get him the ball in space. In terms of the Missouri State defense, I I really don't know a whole lot about them, but their defense is very good. They're penalized a lot. They give up a lot of yards, and they give up a decent amount of points too. UCA had about 350 yards of total offense on them. They ran for almost 200 yards on them but only scored 14 points against Missouri State. So in their last game against Tennessee Martin, they gave up 430 yards total offense with 345 of it coming through the air. So Hogs might be able to open up a little bit. I know we had so much success running the ball these first few game, or these first couple games that we haven't been able to really open up the passing game, but we might be able to do it on Saturday. Who knows? To be completely honest, I'm just going to keep it frank with you. This team's not stopping us offensively, so we're not going to talk about their defense anymore. Uh, pivotal matchups for Saturday. We got another test for our secondary, which is why Saturday is so important. Not just the game in itself, but 
how we carry ourselves after this game. You know, Missouri State's not near as talented as Cincy or South Carolina. We all know that. But they're solid offensively. 31 points per game is no joke. They love to go vertical. Catalan's not coming back anytime soon. I hate it for the kid. I just hope he's able to play football again. Now Adair's Bishop's going to be hurt for some of the season. Yes, our secondary improved, played a little bit better against South Carolina than we did against Cincy, but we still gave up one too many big plays. We still gave up some bogus PIs. And with SEC play coming up on us, I mean, it's it's going to be here next week, the heart of it. We got A&M, Bama, and at Mississippi State. I mean, the secondary's got to play well this game and really give themselves the confidence they need to give themselves a juice that they need to perform well heading into that daunting three-game stretch that we have. And the Hogs seem to have most of our success defensively running this 4-2-5 scheme, and Pittman seems to be okay with playing more man-to-man, which is fine. I'm totally okay with it. We just got to keep improving on it because Arkansas really hasn't run a lot of primary man-to-man since the Houston Nut days. We used to run it all the time. We had some solid corners back then. Not that our guys aren't good now. Nudie's pretty good. Sure, you can say what you want to about HUD. But I don't think we're going to be able to man every, everyone up every game we play. I don't think we can just run man-to-man against Bama or teams like that. But, you know, I've been surprised this season. Maybe they can surprise me again. Anyway, South Carolina, they had two completions of uh, 60-plus yards. And, yes, one of them was in garbage time. Hudson made a bad play on the ball and missed a tackle. But it's the perfect game to cut those out. Turn your head, find the ball. Tackle with your head up and you know, just cut those bad habits out. And this is a perfect game to do it so we don't make those those mistakes in a big game against A&M or Bama or you know, BYU or anybody like that, any team that likes to go vertical. You know, Missouri State's got nothing to lose here. They're not expected to win this game. So why shouldn't they go out there and try to prove themselves? You know, Bobby P's going to take shots down the field. He loves to go vertical. He likes to get – his guys, the ball in space. I remember specifically, he used to run drag routes with Joe Adams, Jerry's Wright, and Greg Childs. Just the easy. He he looks for easy ways to get his best playmakers the ball, which is how all OC should call games. I mean, I'm a big fan of that scheme offensively, and we're gonna see a lot of it Saturday. We might even see some trip plays, so we just have to play discipline. And Tyron Scott's gonna be a solid test for our secondary, kind of their do it all guy. And he's their big play factor, 16 yards per catch. I know we touched on it earlier, but as long as we limit big plays and penalties and our secondary will play pretty well, and this game's going to be a wrap. You know, the next thing, it's not a matchup for Saturday, but it's pre-pivotal, is our penalties. You know, this is a perfect game, to cut, perfect game to cut down on penalties. We had way too many against South Carolina. And if we want to you know, make the deep postseason runs and – and fulfill those aspirations that we have. We can't shoot ourselves in the foot and hold ourselves back with costly penalties. And yes, I know that penalties are going to happen, but we at least have the control to limit those penalties. And all in all, we just can't overlook this team. Absolutely cannot overlook this team. Limit the big plays, wrap up, cut down penalties, and this game will be over with in the first quarter. If all goes as planned, we get some guys some snaps and some reps you know, for increasing their confidence, player development, and possibly discover a player who might need to step up for us later on in the season. I think Malik's going to get a lot of time on Saturday, and I really want Keetron to play well on Saturday. Hopefully he gets in the end zone. 
because I don't think he's very happy with his role right now. But anyway, Missouri State's not going to be able to stop us offensively. So this is the perfect opportunity for our defense to lock shit down, make life miserable for most state, and give us the confidence we need heading into the four-game stretch that we have that's going to be extremely brutal. Hogs are going to go for, I'd say, 250, 300 yards on the ground and maybe another 200 through the air. We could hit 500 yards a total offense this game because this Missouri State defense is probably going to be the worst we've played all season. They almost gave up 350 yards passing to Tennessee Martin, almost 200 yards rushing to UCA. So it seems like they can't really stop anybody. I mean, the Hogs have to walk away from this game as confident as we've been all season to come ready against an A&M, an A&M team that, yes, even though they lost last weekend, they're going to be tested against Miami this week. If we we win on Saturday and improve to 3-0. and We have to come ready against A&M. That game's close every year. We all know it. As much as it pains me and I want to beat them by 100, it's going to be close. But it's going to test us and get us ready for Alabama. Anyway, this game against Missouri State on Saturday is extremely key for our secondary because if we can play well, play discipline, play with confidence and, and penalty-free, and that's exactly the fine-tuning we need heading into SEC play. So that being said, let's get to the fun stuff, SEC matchups to watch this weekend. we got Georgia at South Carolina. Georgia's going to blow them out. It's not going to be close. Also, South Carolina's got like six players hurt after the Arkansas game, and two of them are done for the season. Kentucky versus Youngstown State. Go Penguins. Mizzou versus Abilene Christian, who cares? Ole Miss is 14.5-point favorites at Georgia Tech. That could get interesting, but Ole Miss gets weak non-conference opponents anyway, so I see Ole Miss probably winning that one. Auburn versus Penn State. I think Penn State will beat them, but who knows? Auburn's got athletes, and that game was really, really close last year at Penn State, and I bet it's close again on Saturday, but that could be a play of the weekend. Who knows? Bandy at Northern Illinois, with Northern Illinois being favorited. Commodore's going to go up there and shock the world, let's be honest. Bama is a 50-point favorite against Monroe. Mississippi State at LSU is probably the most interesting matchup of the weekend as we you know, we really get to see if LSU is worth the shit or not. And same with Mississippi State, but I'll probably take Mississippi State in that one. Arkansas is a 39.5-point favorite against Missouri State. Tennessee is a 47.5-point favorite against Akron. Florida, 24.5-point favorite against South Florida. Texas A&M is a 5.5-point favorite against Miami. But Hogs got a night game on Saturday, and then we get a night game against A&M. What the hell's happening? Is the world ending? I can't remember the last time we got two night games in a row. Anyway, Peyton's play of the weekend. All right, finally got a win last weekend. Could have had two if Tennessee didn't push, but we'll take it. I'm rolling with Miami plus five and a half, Mississippi State to cover three points, and Penn State plus three. And honestly, I have zero confidence in these this week. So I'm going to parlay it, throw 10 bucks on it. Who knows what's going to happen? That's my plays of the weekend. All right, well, that wraps up this, this week's episode. I really appreciate all the love and support you guys are giving the podcast. It's been a lot of fun, a lot more fun than I really ever could have expected. But this weekend's important. This is the perfect game to do some fine-tuning on both sides of the ball for the Razorbacks heading into the A&M game. And we can't overlook this team. We absolutely cannot. But, like I said, got some fine-tuning to do. Hopefully we can do it. That's why this game's so important. All right, guys, well, the next time I'll see you, hopefully the Hogs will be 3-0, heading into the Texas A&M weekend in Dallas, Texas. <laughs>